From Variety, celebrating 115 years covering the business of entertainment, this is the Award Circuit Podcast. It's so funny, I didn't know I could be an actor. I didn't know that was a professional choice that could be made. I come from a very academic family. My parents are both physicians, and so I was just expected to go into academics. I was smart. I um, wanted to be an engineer, and I like how you say it in past sense. By the way, you're like I was smart. (laughs) I was. I don't know if I am anymore. (laughs) Am I smart? (laughs) It's the Jonas. I'm telling you, it's it's always Nick Jonas. Never in doubt, just blame Nick Jonas. It's always him. (laughs) (laughs) It's always his fault. She's a global superstar now, but growing up, Priyanka Chopra Jonas didn't realize that acting could even be a career path. I'm Clayton Davis. On this edition of the Variety Award Circuit podcast, we talk to Priyanka Chopra Jonas about her new film, The White Tiger. She shares her earliest influences in film and television, growing up in India, and how she's lovingly supported by her husband, singer-songwriter Nick Jonas, who says she'll likely be the first quote-unquote Jonas to win an Oscar. Also in this episode, we interview writer and director Lee Isaac Chung about his film, Me Not e. But first, the Award Circuit Roundtable breaks down and discusses the nominations for the Independent Spirit Awards in both film and television, along with the winners of the National Board of Review. It's all on this latest edition of Variety's Award Circuit Podcast. Stay close. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Variety Award Circuit. I'm Clayton Davis, Film Awards Editor here. Joined with Janelle Riley. I'm here with monsters, I tell you. <laughs> the monsters. <laughs> all of them. Uh, Jazz Tanke. Apparently I'm a monster. Hello, everybody. Uh, and then the creature from the Blue Lagoon, <laughs> Michael Schneider. We are, we are all monsters. The Purple Lagoon. <laughs> which some of us have good taste. <sighs> some of us like... Excellent desserts. But anyway, happy nomination <laughs> season, everyone. Oh, my God. It's what happening. A, what a week. Yes. What a day. Dare I Dare I say too many awards? <laughs> yes. Never. That is not a stretch. There are too many awards. Let's let's get on record and say that. But, uh, yeah, we're, we're heading into this week with a bunch. And then, of course, next week, the biggies. Uh, well, not the biggest, but we've got two big ones next week. Well, you better watch, your, better watch when you say that. Don't <laughs> you dare say that. We got many more to come, but nonetheless, we've got uh, some big ones this week too. Yeah, uh, I think I think the appropriate place to start is with indie spirits, uh, and I think the fastest thing to jump through is the TV side because <laughs> that was their first year, <laughs> and I think that's the quickest thing to jump through because that was. Uh... Can I just say, by the way, uh, of the annou- uh, nomination announcement, Barry Jenkins, Olivia Wilde, and Laverne Cox, I- I- watching it on YouTube, like. I love me some Barry Jenkins and I'll die for that man, but I could not hear him on that YouTube. Like, it was like, this is our. Well, he's our a director, remote. not an actor or a sound maker. No, no, I was just like, just, <laughs> I'm so done with Zoom announcements. Like, well, I got bad news for you. I We're going to have a few more. But, but I, do feel, I, I do feel like Film Independent was like, we have to make our announcement as indie as possible. So let's make sure the sound is off. It's blurry. It's yeah. choppy. I mean, they, they, and Barry Jenkins just holds a dog in the middle of the whole thing, Aww. you know? I am obsessed with his dog, by the way. I love him. It's a good I man. All dead. right, go ahead, TV. Yeah. What happened yeah. in TV land? Yeah, so TV, I, you know, I, I was ready to sort of, you know, mock the nominations. I was expecting some non-indie, non-mainstream nominations. But I got to say, 
they surprised me. They actually did pretty well in terms of finding more quote-unquote indie TV projects. Uh, you know, they're still all, everything's mainstream in TV. These are still all, you know, Netflix and Amazon, they're billion-dollar companies. So the whole independence of it all is, is sort of laughable, but I, they knew that going into it. So, so nonetheless, it's a good mix of real personal projects, uh, you know, Michaela Cole's I May Destroy You from HBO, Little America from Hulu, which, you know, really explores the immigrant experience from Kamel Nanjiani uh, and his wife, Emily Gordon. Uh, Small Acts, which, uh, you know, is is very personal to Steve McQueen, very sort of indie filmish there. You've got A Teacher, which actually began as an indie film. This is an adaption of an indie film. And then you've got Unorthodox, which is, again, a very personal, small tale, even though it's on Netflix, uh, and, and got some Emmy attention last year. But all, all told, a pretty good mix, at least in terms of scripted series. For for the first year out, I ain't mad at it. <laughs> he ain't mad. I ain't mad at you. What were the uh, parameters for indie film? Was there a budget cutoff? Or? No, there there wasn't. It, that, and that's it was the smell test. And, and that's what they told me back in September. It was going to be a quote unquote smell test. So, you know, they could have put Bridgerton in there. They could have put, <laughs> you know, Queen's Gambit in there if they wanted to. And I was kind of expecting them to. My lead was going to be like Shonda Rhimes is the most mainstream producer out there. So she has no place being in the independent spirit. But she they didn't nominate it. So in some ways they did honor whatever smell test they had it's the first year so they're they're still sort of getting their feet wet figuring it out argue the great and el fanny not exactly indie yeah uh, that was the one i raised my eyebrow out a little but it has an indie spirit if if no pun intended yeah yeah and and you know they're, they're, <laughs> an independent spirit so, so all told, the male the male ca- uh, actor category. I mean, I haven't heard of most of these people, so that definitely was indie. Uh, you know, there, there's an actor named Confidence. I didn't know there was an actor named Confidence. He was nominated for best male performance. We, in a- we we knew we knew Mike wasn't cool. He doesn't know the cool the only cool kids names yet. I don't. I don't. I'm, I'm mainstream TV guy. What can I say? Yeah. So, so I'm getting to know a, a lot of these folks. Uh, and uh, you know, Little America did quite well. Um, Great show. Yeah. Great show. I was disappointed it didn't do better at the Emmys, frankly. So I'm glad to see it getting some love. Yeah, yeah. And happy to see I Made a Story You, which I think might get some Emmy love as well. Uh, yeah, uh, Jordan Christine Simone from uh, We Are Who We Are is fantastic. I thought that show would get a little more attention because that's such an indie feeling show. But otherwise, uh, you know, pretty, pretty solid lineup. Uh, and then we could have the film side. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, dear Jesus. Uh, all right. Uh, first feature. We got First Cow, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, Minari, Never, Rarely, Sometimes, Always, and Nomadland. And honestly, not any glaring misses What a there. lineup. Yeah. Fantastic yeah, it's, it's, lineup. It, listen, and, and even I, the, the big thing, obviously, people are saying is like, Prom's Young Woman didn't make it. Prom's Young Woman also is probably the most studio-looking film that like could have made the lineup. And you can argue that Ma Rainey's also maybe very studio looking, but this is very indie. This is a voice of the indie spirit uh, community. And just also to put out there, uh, the Trial of Chicago 7, the Five Bloods, Hillbilly Elegy, not eligible uh, for indie spirits, which uh, begged the question today that Hillbilly Elegy cost more than $20 million. Like, that was interesting. Uh, and then we get to the director space. First, I'm sorry, the second time in history, uh, the women out number the men wow and do yes. this That's yes wow. and second time in history but the first time 
no white men made the lineup. So we have all people of color and women uh, taking the lineup. Lee Isaac Chung, Emerald Fennell, Eliza Hitman, Kelly Reichert, and Chloe Zhao. Um, and that is just a beautiful, beautiful lineup to look at. Um, just to go a little further, uh, a nominee in this category has not translated to Oscar since 2017. Really? It's been that yeah, long? Yeah, it's been, it's been that long. Jordan Peele, Get Out, uh, Luca Guadagnino for Call Me By Your Name. The last time a winner translated was 2011, The Artist. Oh my gosh. Yeah, so... By the way, I would like to point out that the Independent Spirit Awards did not put Minari in the foreign film category. Or foreign Imagine. language film. It's almost <laughs> like it was an American movie. Hint, hint. What a concept. Yeah. Uh, male lead, Riz Ahmed... Chadwick Boseman, Adarsh Groff, uh, Rob Morgan, Stephen Yun. First of all, I, can I just say secret? I'm so happy for Rob Morgan in this. Like, Rob lineup. Morgan is yes. fantastic. I love him. And Bull is fantastic. And yeah, I was happy to see it get some love. Yeah. Because no one, I think no one's seen it. It's such a. I'm happy for the White Tiger. If nobody's seen that. That was a good get for Adarsh. Yeah. That was a good get. He's but very I, good. Yeah, can I say though, no John David Washington. He made it at the expense of John David Washington and Malcolm and Marie. Interesting. So that I was don't know about that. I don't know if it's a one on one trade off. Well, I don't know, one on one, but I'm just, I, yeah. I would expect John David Washington to make the lineup, and he, and he didn't. And by the way, the father was not eligible. It was eligible in international, not. Uh, so that's regular. an international film. It's a, it was considered international. <laughs> okay. <'Cause, yeah>. But <laughs> I have to ask, um, Zendaya did not make the cut either. So why are you surprised John David Washington didn't? Nope. Uh, wait, just one last bit about Best Actor. Uh, in 2008, that uh, the best that ever translated, um, they had four out of five make uh, translate to Oscar. And we haven't had a nominee translate to Oscar since 2017, Timothy Chalamet. So it's been a while for this category, too. We've been very indie the last, like, two years. So we go to female lead now. We, we buried the lead with Zendaya missing out. And we had a tie with six. And and the big miss also, Vanessa Kirby for Pieces of a Woman. Pretty shocking. But this lineup is so baller. It's and this, great. A, it, like, like, a miss is not, like, really a miss. Because there's so much fluidity in this in this category. But... Another uh, good bit. Uh, 2010 was the last time this category had a tie of six. And in that year, five out of that six became Oscar nominees. Oh, fantastic. Is this all in your head, Clayton? I have my cheat sheet also that okay. I, I, when I wrote the article. But yes, I, I, I pulled out some stuff. Uh, seven out of the last ten winners of this category uh, went on to win the Oscar. Um, but the three times that it didn't happen, they weren't even eligible to be nominated at Indie Spirit, Meryl Streep, Emma Stone, and Olivia Coleman. So look for this to be our Oscar uh, winner. Supporting actor, Coleman Domingo, Orion Lee, Paul Racy, Glenn Turman, Benedict Wong. Benedict Wong for nine days, which is not eligible for any other awards this season, is it? Because they, they pushed it to the following season. Yep, which then uh, begs the question. That means Winston Duke missed out in, in lead, uh, male lead, which is sad because he's really great in that movie. But, he is, but again, look at that lead lineup. Yeah, Who would you it, take it's, out? It's great. You, you can't argue it. Um, this is the thing. Coleman Domingo and bl- both Glenn Turman, while it's great, also helps neither of them. <laughs> like, because they're, cause, like, everyone's kind of 
juggling that decision right now on which one you know could get in for Oscar. And listen, maybe it is a both thing. Who knows? But like Glenn Turman, who won LAFCA, this was this would have been a good place for him to own it a little bit. So they're still going to be battling that out uh, some. And then supporting female uh, Alexis Chikizi, uh, Yuri Han, Valerie Mahaffey. I think I'm saying that correctly. Uh, Talia Ryder and Yu Jung Yoon. So we have two Minari women. Which is interesting because Yeri Han is being put campaigning in campaigning lead, and yeah. there is no interest on making that a switch. So let me just put that out there now. They're not making the switch, even though secretly I think I feel like I want them to because I wonder how that would look and if they could both get in, maybe. But also just say because I'm a big component of category fraud. Yuri splitting up Yuri Han and Steven Yun would be category fraud. I think wherever they are, if you see it as an ensemble, that's fine. I, I feel like they have to be either both lead or both supporting. Uh, yep, and then uh, Ellen Burstyn was the big miss in this space. But I should also note, um, Indie Spirits are notorious for big Oscar misses. Jake Gyllenhaal was not a nominee for Brokeback Mountain his year. So there's that. And then uh, all the other categories did their kind of standard stuff. No Palm Springs and First Feature, even though they did get first screenplay. I was excited about that. And first cow not getting into screenplay despite getting in picture. And wow, director, that's pretty shocking. I also thought was really crazy. But in the screenplay category, I just have to give a shout out to the half of it because Alice Wu yes. wrote a wonderful script. I was I was hoping to see it represented somewhere here, if not in the acting or directing in the screenplay. It's a very very special script, sort of a a queer Cyrano de Bergerac, um, and just one of my favorite movies of the year. Well, one other note: a Robert Altman Award went to One Night in Miami, and when you win that award you are not eligible to get nominated in any of the acting or directing categories, which is why there are no One Night in Miami boys and Regina King was not nominated. So keep a note. Wait, I thought last year, oh, was Noah Baumbach not nominated for director you, last year? You can, I, I think the rule is you can get nominated in feature, but not directing and acting, but I can double check on that. Yeah, uh, for ahead, some reason Jack, I thought it was just the acting categories, but I could be wrong because Moonlight also was nominated or was given the Robert Altman Award and wasn't Barry Jenkins? Didn't he win? Yes. Oh, yeah. So, so it's just the acting categories. You are correct. My bad. Woohoo! I'm <laughs> out. Janelle, that's it. My I'm, done at, done. I'm done at Variety. It was a good run. It was nice. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's it. That's uh, indie- Go ahead, uh, Jazz. You were going to say something about... I was going to give a first screenplay shout out to Channing Godfrey, People's to Miss Juneteenth. It is... Such a great film, and I'm just, I was so happy to see Miss Juneteenth get some love today. That made my morning. That was great. And then we moved to National Board of Review. Uh, the Five Bloods and Spike Lee, Best yeah. Picture and Director. Holding up really well for a movie that came out early last year. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Spike Lee becomes the second uh, black winner in that category. Who was the first, Clayton? Mr. Barry Jenkins. <laughs> Who won for Moonlight because he was eligible for Best Director. I know. Look at, oh, you're going you're gonna to own that for the next three weeks. It's no, great. no, I couldn't keep track yeah. of the fact you keep in yeah. your head. So. Can I just say, by the way, uh, NBR, National Board of Review, is always very um, eclectic, I'd say. They always go like with some choices that you look at. You're like, yeah, that may not translate to Oscar. They just did it. Like, like a Will Forte in Nebraska... Uh, and out in compliance, like stuff like that. This is so standard for them with Riz, Carrie Mulligan, Paul Racy, and Yu Jung Yoon. These are all like the front runners or the number twos that won. And that's surprising. Yeah. 
So it makes me think of like, what if this is just like kind of easy this year? <laughs> and we're just and we just know like Don't what's gonna it. happen. I know, right? <laughs> um News of the World when he adapted screenplay, I was actually a little surprised by. I was really happy about that. I was I happy love- for that, but yeah, it needed it needed that too. Yeah. Uh, and Minari, uh, Minari winning original screenplay. Uh, by the way, uh, MBR has never matched in all the major categories. There's always like something that is off. So I don't know what that something is of that major eight categories. But uh, that's it. Uh, by the way, animated feature Soul. Do we think that that's just it? Is it just Soul this year? We think I that's Soul. I don't. I mean, I think it. I think it'll probably be tough to beat. It's Pixar. It's beloved. Um, I keep my eyes. I actually really like Onward, and I keep my eyes on Wolfwalkers. Love Onward. I love yeah. Onward. Yeah, I think everyone forgot about Onward, though. Unfortunately, Onward was so good, but that was so long ago. That was sort of everyone was distracted by the pandemic when that came out. <laughs> well, what pandemic? See, not what like are we are about? now. <laughs> <laughs> Remember those carefree early days of the pandemic? <laughs> yeah. We thought we were going to be back to work in two weeks. Yeah. And then a uh, big note here are the top, their top 10, which is really top 11 because the five bloods doesn't get included because of one. Uh, First Cow, 40 Old Virgin, Judas and the Black Messiah, Midnight Sky, Minari, News of the World, Nomad Land, Promise Young Woman, Soul, and Sound of Metal. So uh, great get for Midnight Sky there. Uh, big misses for Ma Rainey, Mank, and Trial of Chicago 7, all missing out there. But I also should note, Lord of the Rings, it's three years, never made the NBR top 10. Really? Wow. Never. It's like one of my favorite facts. Uh, two films, I don't know if this is a Michael Schneider segue, if you guys are ready yet, but there are two films opening this week that I'm I'm a fan of both of them, and they did not show up in any of these awards. Uh, but, you know, there's time. There's time. Uh, we have Palmer premiering on Apple TV Plus on Friday, which is Justin Timberlake as a college football star who comes back home and ends up kind of the caretaker of, um, I guess you would say, a gender nonconforming child. He likes to, you know, it's a boy who likes to play with dolls and, you know, is interested in dressing like fairies and um, princesses. And uh, also I, the most adorable kid in the world. He is yeah. such a like, great. Like Alan S. Kim and Ryder Allen are going to like battle that cute kid of the year. Award Check out, out my piece on him on Variety.com now, because I think he's a star and I, I think he might get some Golden Globes love. Um, I've been hearing a lot of people really responded to the movie and he's in the supporting category. Again, you never know if that'll actually translate to anything, but that's what I'm hearing. This movie could have gone wrong in so many ways. It could yes. have been yeah. maudlin. It could have been silly. And it is, it, 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 I was really, really pleasantly surprised. It's authentic. I'm so glad you said that because when I was watching it, I kept saying, oh, yeah. because like, I didn't know what it was about when I started watching it. Same. You know, and when I watched it, I was like, oh no, this is going to be yeah. just a disaster. You're and like, it's please, not. please still be good. Please still I mean, be good. Yeah, and it, and it is. So it was good. good. It was, I loved it. Yeah, yeah, I was a, I was a big fan of it. The uh, the original song from Palmer, uh, the Nathaniel Rateliff song, uh, Redemption, is getting a lot of attention, and he's going to be on SNL in a couple of weeks performing it. So ah. just at the right time. So by the way, the next three weeks of SNL are so dope. Like I can't wait. Like Regina King's in a host. Oh yeah, I cannot wait. It's great. John Krasinski this week. What, why are we not? Why are none of us getting called to host SNL? <laughs> We're just your we're, controversial tweets. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> their tweets are way too controversial to be on SNL. Clayton's been yeah. canceled. Clayton's yeah. been canceled. 
It'll be oh god, it's like my nightmare. But like I, I try I try to be angry, but angry in a very respectful hateful way. It's it's those it's those hot mank takes that uh, yeah. just <laughs> Yeah, that's what it's. Um but yeah, and then uh, something else is opening up. You know? Yes, the little things, which I, I'm a big fan of filmmaker John Lee Hancock. Uh, I guess you could say his his record with the Academy is spotty. You know, he uh, he directed Sandra Bullock to her Oscar win in The Blind Side. Emma Thompson came very close for Saving Mr. Banks. Um, I was a big fan of Michael Keaton in The Founder. This is a movie, I mean, check out this lineup. It's Denzel Washington, Rami Malek, and Jared Leto. Um... Denzel and Rami are investigating a serial killer. Jared Leto may or may not be playing the serial killer. It really, it, it will subvert your expectations. From the very opening scene, you think you know what this movie is going to be, and it's not. And that might upset some people who like tidy packages, um, but I was personally a really big fan of all three performances uh, and the movie itself. I love the dynamic between all of them, like especially in the interrogation room when Ugh. Jared is just amazing anyway. But just to have, you know, just to have Denzel in there, too, is just. Yeah. And also, I think it proves a very good point that I'm about to make. I like the movie quite a lot. I'm actually surprised how much I've liked it afterwards. Yes. But it's it, it with n- you. But but it's not awards, and I think that's no. and, and I think people need to look at stuff through that lens sometimes, and not saying that it should. That, I mean, maybe it should be. I'm saying it is should be considered or should be considered, but it is just doesn't feel like that type of movie that they would go for. Though I do think makeup and score are on the table because Thomas Newman and Donald Moet, which I think do very good work. In its defense, generally serial killer movies and cop movies like this are not awards. I mean, Silence of the Lambs was a huge exception. Yeah, like I mean, like, something like Prisoners. Like Prisoners got shut mm-hmm. out, and Prisoners is fantastic. I love Seven. That. I mean, yeah. there's, Seven? A whole, there's yeah. yeah. I do think, however, where they get recognized is in the performances, and Jared Leto, I think, has a, a good shot. He's a dark, with yeah, a, he's a dark horse. Yeah, yeah. I think people will have a problem with the ending. The ending is divisive. Yeah. That's all I'm going to say. That's all I'll say. And I say regular people (laughs) saying that with the nicest, like, not, like, snobby intentions. Like, just regular general moviegoers are going to be so into it and then at the end be, like, really mad. So, because people like the the wrap-ups. All right. No no spoilers. No spoilers here. (laughs) When Haley Joel Osment tells them that that he can see dead people and Bruce Willis is dead, crazy. Wait, man, I haven't gotten around to that yet. How could you? Uh, I was talking about about Die Hard, by the way. It's Die Hard. (laughs) I do want to let people know, in case they don't already know, that The Little Things premieres on HBO Max and in theaters this Friday. Yeah. Then with that, we have so much more to look forward to in life. (laughs) Including Priyanka Chopra. (gasps) Priyanka Chopra Jonas, don't you disrespect I, I'm sorry. I'm I'm, I'm uh, guilty of Jonas erasure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, our conversation. I I I throw a little bit of a, a loving shade at, at Nick Jonas, but it's mostly because I just hate how like nice of a guy he is and how much he just grew into this just like really cool human being. That how talented he is. How talented how he is, he? and he ends up marrying Priyanka Chopra in the middle of that. So <laughs> it's more of a jealousy thing. Well, well, Clayton, for, for this week at least, you are our bonus Jonas. So. Oh, thanks. Oh, I appreciate <laughs> oh, that. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> but after Priyanka, the Isaac Chung. Yes. Oh, the fantastic um, Spirit Award nominee. Yeah. Well, this this sounds like a great episode, so let's get to it. 
I might listen to this one. <laughs> <laughs> It's Variety's Award Circuit Podcast. I'm Clayton Davis. Directed by Ramin Barani, The White Tiger tells the story of Ballroom, played by Independent Spirit Award nominee Adarsh Gurov, an Indian driver who uses his wit and cunning ways to make his rise from poor villager to successful entrepreneur in modern India. I think it's wrong the way you work for us. What is it that you want to do? I want to serve you and a successor. No, no, you can't possibly believe that. My master, he's a good man. A good man. He's a rich man. Here in India, there are only two kinds of people. Those with big bellies. And those with small bellies. The film's bright spot is Priyanka Chopra Jonas as the beautiful and spicy pinky, where she commands her scenes, providing a call to action to Hollywood producers everywhere. Use her for your next project, or better yet, write one for her. We spoke with her about how she discovered the novel written by Arvind Adiga. The talented actress also dishes what she can say on the record about her role in the sequel of Matrix and her yearning to get into directing her own feature film one day in the future. I started our conversation by admitting I'm still getting used to hearing the name Jonas at the end of the last name, Priyanka Chopra. You know, I do too. Yeah. And not just me. Everybody does. It's 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 huh. hard, you know, but uh, it's an addition to um, an identity I've had for 35 something years. So, you know, yeah. it's 25, all right. 25 something years. Let's keep it in the 20s. Yeah. Yeah. So silly Jonas is always ruining everything. You know, <laughs> taking their names. Um, but no, uh, it's great to meet you. Thank you. Thank you for being with me today. I, I feel like I always have to start here. How are you doing? Because there's a pandemic that's going on. Right um, I'm all right. You know, uh, I've just gotten back to work since like it's just been a month or so. And um, it's a really strange world to be creative in. Um, and, you know, you just got to do the best you can. Um, I'm very grateful to be on set. I'm very grateful to, you know, be on a job when a lot of the world is you know dealing with what that looks like so i'm i'm just grateful to be back at work honestly um congratulations on the film white tiger the white Thank tiger you. uh where not only you are starring but executive producing as well just kind of feeling like you can do it all now uh <laughs> how, how did the project fall fall into into your lap how did you learn about it it actually didn't fall into my lap i kind of went after it <laughs> Take what's yours. That's fine. I like that. Go ahead. How'd you, how'd you I hear? may have I may have read about it in Variety, um, and it ah, says that the White Tiger circle. was. I know, and the White Tiger was being made, and I was like, I remember on my Twitter feed it came up, and I was like, hmm, I read this book about ten years ago, and you know there are some books that really you can never forget about them. Um, they just kind of are prevalent because they affected you so much and they move you so much. And this was one of those. I read about it. There was a lot of chatter around it like a decade ago. And then, you know, you forget about it. But when the movie was being made, I was like, there's no way this movie can be made. If I have anything to do with it, I'm going to go after it. And it has to be made with me. I have to have some part of it. So I reached out. I got my agents to reach out. I met Ramin multiple times. I told him about my love for the movie and um, how I was actually really looking for an immersive experience as an actor at that time, you know, coming out of a lot of mainstream work that I was doing. I really wanted to 
find something to delve deep into. And um, yeah, I met Ramin once in Mumbai, a couple of times in LA and the movie happened and I was just so excited about being a part of it and um, that executive producing it was, is really something I'm so proud of. Um, I want this beautiful, quaint movie to see, you know, um, as many TV screens as it can. And if I have anything to do with it, I'm going to put my might to make that happen. Um, so you, you play the role of Pinky uh, in the film. And I'm sure Ramin at some point told you that you could not play the role uh, that went to Adarsh uh <laughs> It, at that point, because I know you probably really wanted to jump for that. Part. You would have been a <laughs> yeah. Mm. No, um, no, I never, <laughs> uh, never even considered that. I always knew what the book is. Pinky, in fact, in the book is a much a very small part. Um, she's pretty substantial in the movie, but um, in the book is um, you know it's more of a voyeuristic view of her through um, Balram's eyes, whereas. In this movie, she's like a, you know, a, a person who sort of pivots his mindset and he pivots hers. So um, I was very excited about that when I read the script. But to me, I just wanted to really, I knew there's something about this book which makes anyone who consumes it uncomfortable. And I, I really think provocative filmmaking is very exciting to me. And that's what this movie is. It's provocative, it's bold, it makes you uncomfortable, it makes you think. And um, the book was exactly that. And I, I was just like, you know, can I EP it? Can I, can I assist Ramin? Can I, if, if not playing Pinky, like what can I do? How do I, you know, how am I going to be a part of it? And that's, that's how it happened. <laughs> yeah. So I think the big elephant in the film in the room your connection to it uh pinky is very um not quite of the indian uh traditions of like you know she, she's outspoken she sticks up for herself she she talks back um you're you're also in this in this life where you're you know have expanded outside of traditional indian culture in, you know, living in America, married to Nick Jonas. How did you connect to that uh, aspect of, of the of the character and the and the film? Well, um, I to me, Pinky is um, you know a product of modern India, urban India, and that Indian who's modern, urban, in touch with the world, educated, ha understands opportunity, understands rights, understands um, you know trajectories that is what the story of the movie is about in various ways like Balram wants to be an entrepreneur he wants to get out of his um you know the chicken coop that he's stuck in um Ashok's character he who's educated in the U.S. comes back to build a new India whereas my character um you know is an immigrant in India first generation and, um, you know, has is a part of this massively large Indian population that lives outside of the country. Um, so, you know, there's many kinds of Indians and um, traditional India and the urban India and the traditional India has an amalgamation. And that is this movie. Each part of um, the Indian is represented in this movie. There is, you know, you see the 
you see the affluent life in India. You see the not so affluent life in India. You see the life in extreme poverty in India. You see um, different perspectives of Indians, um, and that really has not, that. I think that has to do with being able to see the world differently, um, and that's what Pinky does. She just she sees humanity, and um, I was very proud to be, you know, playing a character. Pinky's character that can see human beings and that can see people for what it is, and it's just kindness and and um, you know an outreach of the mind, an evolution of the mind, uh, and that was really cool. And I, I hope that when people watch it, they see that these are you know various kinds of people that come from the same subcontinent, um, and you will meet so many of us around the world. Your your involvement in, in the movie, I know you said you were very passionate. You just wanted to get involved in, in some way. What does the White Tiger say about where Priyanka is at this point in her career in terms of the artistic expressions you're looking for in cinema and the statements you're looking to make now? What kind of projects are you finding yourself attracted to? What do you want to do? Well, the White Tiger was really um, something that I was craving. I, you know, um, I'm, I'm very nascent in my work in the U.S. Actually, I've just about started working with Quantico and doing a few movies that I'm doing right now. But um, I'm really looking for a trajectory where I have the ability to play various characters in various genres, in various just various people, various personalities and not really be bogged down or put into a box or a stereotype of what I can do. And that has, that's what my career in India was. Um, you know, I've, I've played various different characters and I've really done a lot of immersive um, parts and I'm really looking for that now. And the white tiger was a great, you know, dip in the pond. And um, I had such an incredible time really actually under Ramin's tutelage, there was, he just, he trusts the actors so much. He depends so much on what you do. He doesn't even say action. He'll just say, whenever you're ready. And we kind of have to find it. And you're just thrown into the situation. And which is why every reaction is so visceral from all the performances in the movie, because it's really from a deep place, because he pushes you to sort of find it yourself. And um, it, it, it was a really, really amazing experience. And that's the kind of work I really want to look uh, at doing, you know, something that makes me nervous uh, when I go to set. And, you know, like my hands used to sweat when I used to drive up to the set because I was like, oh my gosh, it's not even about the lines. It's about being able to, you know, bring it to someone who um, expects you to. What was the most difficult scene for you to shoot on set? What was uh, something that was hard for you to... Well, there's an accident that happens in the movie and uh, I've never been in one. Um, and it's a pretty brutal accident. And then the reaction after and everything, the movie kind of just unravels after that accident. And that was really hard. We were filming in Delhi, really cold at night, winters in Delhi. And the street was... Um, locked off and I'm driving and um, it was just all night of you know being in a very dark place in this accident and I, I just just staying in that it took me a really long time to sort of get out of it because um, that was not an easy scene. <laughs> I'm the film awards editor here at <clears throat> Variety so I'm always going to look at this through an awards lens perspective and I'm very passionate right. about representation and inclusion and and making sure everyone Thank you. 
gets uh, a seat at the table. So let's talk about some ugly history that has to do with awards is Indian representation. Uh, There have been three, just three, Indian actors nominated for acting Oscars in 92 years. Uh, Merle Oberon in 1935, she was part part Indian. Uh, Ben Kingsley, uh, he won the He's half Indian, one for Gandhi, nominated for House of Sand and Fog. And then most recently, Dev Patel was nominated for Lion. Uh, there is just not enough representation there on that front. What would you like to see done in Hollywood? Not just from uh, Indian representation, meaning like Indian stories, but just having Indian actors, Indian actresses, Indian characters that aren't just the stereotypical things that we've seen uh, over the years? Um, that was my, thank you for asking that question. It's so so important to me. Um, when I started working here four or five years ago and up until just recently, it, it was a really big um, adjustment for me because um, either you get cast to play you know, that specific part because you're Indian or if you're playing in, in, or if you are cast, then your character somehow has to be explained that why your character was in the country or when your parents traveled. Um, Whereas if you look around us in the US, like there's a monumental population of South Asians within um, the country and a monumental population of South Asians within the world. And if you look at global entertainment, there's absolutely not the representation of that. I remember Aziz Ansari and I, after my first Emmys, some after party, we were we were counting the South Asians in the room. <laughs> did, did we? Did, did you get to double digits? No, we didn't. It was six people. And... Um, Um, I said, wow, you know, like six people and there was like 400 people in the room. He was like, babe, this is a good thing. Three years ago, (laughs) we were two. And I was like, you know, it is going to take. And I speak to a lot of um, colleagues of mine who are South Asians to sort of find um, the ability to create more opportunity within Hollywood to have representations. My life's dream to be able to be the shoulders on which you know, I can create opportunity where I didn't have one when I came in. And, you know, I've signed a talent first look deal with Amazon, with CBS, um, Viacom. And I'm with my production company really working on creating that for for South Asians so that, you know, in the next few years, we do see an influx of South Asian um, characters on television and film, which is not just the six people um, that we are seeing. And it's going to be very important to create that sort of um, representation, which is actually true to what the world looks like and not to just be stereotyped in a box because, you know, South Asian talent, we are we have the capability of doing any sort of part and, um, you know, which should not be explained by our ethnicity. That should not be the reason, uh, you know, that, that we are cast. And um, I, it's really wonderful to see. I've collaborated with Mindy Kaling and we're making a movie for Unice- Universal. And um, that movie is like a complete all South Asian star cast buddy comedy. And, you know, to, we have to see in mainstream entertainment, mainstream pop culture is where we need to see representation with um, 
South Asians because, you know, there's a large table, but we've not had a seat on it. We're still kind of outside the door and it would be great to extend the table to become larger where, you know, we get some space as well. Yeah. I think um, there's also a level of understanding that has to be given. Well, when I started here, um, I feel like I've been started at a basic 101 of educating the world of like, like Asians aren't just, you know, like as graphic as I could put it, like Asians are not just squinty eyes. Like it's, it's a continent and there's a lot of yeah. people who live there. So when I, when I came to the U S and I was like, I'm Asian, people were like, no, you're not, you're Indian. And I was like, but I'm, Excuse me. Okay. So let me give you Asia is a, Asia is a continent. Yeah. India is in it too. And so is Southeast Asia. <laughs> yeah. Like, and, and that's just like basic, just geography stuff that people just don't like know or, or the, you know, because, because the media and the way we see ourselves and the way we've portrayed those uh, cultures and, and people like they only have this one way of thinking about it. So and one way of being, um, you know, and I do think truly that it comes from a lack of education. If we saw more, like when I was growing up in the U.S. and I went to high school here, Apu was the only person uh, of uh, South Asian that I saw on TV, mm. Apu from The Simpsons. Mm. And I really wonder if I had grown up and I was a big fan of Sarah Michelle Gellar. I used to love watching, um, you know, Buffy. And I was wondering if like my 16 year old self in high school would have been a little bit more less, you know, a little bit less self-conscious of who I was if I saw you know, someone who looked like me on TV at that point. Like when I did Quantico, I remember so many young girls coming to me and saying, you know, I sort of feel normalized in pop culture. And um, that's what's so important is it's not going to be an anomaly or it's not going to be scary to tell stories from different parts of the world if yeah. we just if we just open up um, the opportunity to to also to everyone else um, just like the country has if you look around in the US there are so many different people from so many parts of the world it's a country made by immigrants you know and we just need to be able to see that representation in our um, in our pop culture and i'm definitely going to be put pushing that with all my might. Glad to have you there doing, doing that. So are you. I'm so yeah. grateful for that. It's, it's going to take people who, who are aware to yeah. be able to push the envelope, you know? Yep. I, I remember when, uh, uh, when the Academy announced their new inclusion diversity standards in, in September, there was a lot of, yeah. uh, it was, it was divisive. Let's just say that. Yeah. I, had, I had a conversation with an Academy member um, and I, and I asked him a, a simple question. I said, and I went through like, uh, like many minority cultures and, 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 you know, and I was like, listen, can you give me a role played by a Latino that isn't a gangbanger? Can you give me, can, can you name one? Like how quick can you name one like that? Can you give me the role of an Indian that doesn't bob their head and it works at a Seven Eleven? Like, can, like, can you, right. can you do that as quick as possible? And, and they couldn't, I'm like, and that's why this, this is why it's a, it's an issue. So Yes, there are some, and yes, there is progress, but until the mainstream doesn't think of those first things when you say Latino, Black, Indian, and those are Completely. not the first things, that's, that's the goal. So I'm glad that we, we have you there as a, as a I'm glad that we have you there. Yeah, we're both there. That's right. <laughs> I'll, I'll fight alongside you any, any day of the week, so uh, awesome. I'm, I'm down for that. Uh, now, I always like some fun questions, um, because... 
I love movies and you love movies too. Do you remember one of the earliest movies that like did it for you that you were like, I'm, I'm in, I want, I want, I want in this business. I didn't even, it's so funny. I didn't know I could be an actor. I didn't know that was a professional choice that could be made. I come from a very academic family. My parents are both physicians, you know, and so I was just expected to go into academics. I was smart. I um, wanted to be an engineer. And I like how you say I it in past sense, by the way. You're like, I was smart. <laughs> like, I was. I don't know if I am anymore. Yeah. Am I smart? <laughs> it, it, it's the Jonas, I'm telling you. It's always Nick Jonas. I'm never in doubt, just blame Nick Jonas. It's always him. <laughs> <laughs> it's always his fault. It's always his um, fault. And, but, and then the entertainment business kind of happened to me by fluke. I was part of a beauty pageant and um, I won Miss World at 2000 and I started getting movie offers back in India. And I didn't know what it was all about. So my acting school was on set. I learned everything that I did by being thrown into the deep end. And I suddenly realized a year in that I was actually really good at it. Like if I kept learning, I would be great at it. That oh my gosh, I'm actually creative, you know? And then I started like, I realized in a couple of years that this is a craft. And if I just, you know, think about my characters, I could play different parts. And then I was just addicted. So I don't even know if it was a movie, but I think it was the collective sensation of being on a set and seeing 400 people or 300 people working as a symbiotic team and carrying you and placing you on this mark, which is like beautifully lit. And then all you have to do is just be really, really true in the moment and reach into that place. It's so spiritual to me. Um, when When I realized that, I was like, I'm gonna spend my life as much as I can between action and cut. Yeah. yeah, that that uh, that reminds me of something. Like I'm also like on a late discovery, and like I knew I liked movies, but I couldn't like articulate it, and right. I, I didn't learn until later. And then when I finally then like realized I love writing about it, it was so late in my life, and I always say to myself like God, if someone would have found this out about me when I was five, how right. much better I would be today. <laughs> like, like, yeah. I, like you know, and I, I think about things like that. Okay. Um, I was going to ask you about TV shows, but I think you might have already mentioned it. So you were a big fan of Buffy growing up. Any other big TV shows that you... I was a big fan of Buffy growing up. What else did I watch? I mean, I my teenage years, like I loved um, Full House, Buffy. I loved, um, oh my gosh, uh, the high school show. Dawson's Creek? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> Not that I didn't like it. <laughs> But that wasn't it. Oh my gosh, with Screech and Mario Lopez. Oh, Saved by the Bell. Saved by the Bell. Oh my gosh, how could I forget? I was obsessed with Saved by the Bell. Um, Those those were the things I... Oh, oh, by the way, Priyanka Chopra on Saved by the Bell would have been super dope, by the way. Right? I always wanted to be Kelly Kapowski. (laughs) Oh, that would have been awesome. Um, If there was a movie musical I could give you right now, a role, what would you want to play? Or who would you want to play? I feel like there's a musical in you that you're about to want to explode to do. And I feel like. Right. I would love to actually, I've heard so much uh, and I watched recently, um, but I would love to do something like, like I just recently watched Les Mis. I would love to get into like really artistic, deep kind of musical. I don't know. I mean, as much as I would love to do La La Land as well, (laughs) but but I think I'm sort of like delving really deep into um, 
things that can challenge me and things that make me nervous. And yeah. that definitely does. And my husband's been on it twice. So oh, I yeah. like, I casual. <laughs> this all comes back to Jonas. Uh, so I'm like, oh. tell, him, tell him I like him very much. It's hard it's, keeping it's, up, I tell you. I like him very much. It's just that like, he's just taking like stuff from the, from that conversation. Um, <laughs> it's, it's funny. I was think I, I was talking uh, recently with Chris Milioti, who was in the movie Palm Springs, and we were talking about musicals. Obsessed with and, that movie. Yeah, and we were talking about uh, the musical Wicked, and oh, I, I thought Wicked. to myself that I was like, could Priyanka Chopra play an Alphaba? Yes. Yeah, like, and I know she's yes. supposed to be a high schooler, but, like, you, you look like you're still in high school. You can still rock out a nice young... I love that. Can you keep saying that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so everybody else you also could, believes. Yes, it. you could you could definitely play. If album. if age was not a number, yes, I could I believe I could play anything if given the opportunity. I'll just put my head down, work really hard at it and come out with the best version of it that I can create. I'm but texting if, if age wasn't I'm gonna let him let's know. Do it. Right Let's now. make it happen, you. Clayton. I got you. Uh, listen, just know that if it happens this moment it happened here. It's, it's right here when <laughs> it happened. Um, what you're working on next, I know that you have this little independent movie called Matrix 4. It's very small, very you know, <laughs> independent uh, feature. Is there anything that, you know, I actually just, um, I interviewed Yaya Abdul-Mateen recently, and he gave us a little bits of whatever. So I wanted to give you the opportunity to give us a little bits of, you know. What bits you- of whatever. Bits of he can't whatever. give you bits of whatever. He's not yeah. allowed to give he, you he, bits He gives whatever. little bits. He gives little bits. It was nice. Let, let um, me ask you, it, do, are we going to get a scene in which we see Priyanka oh Chopra frozen in the air and kick someone in the face? No. But she'll get something you don't expect. So do <laughs> that's I get all I can say. Do I get to see you kick someone at all? You can't. I can't talk about you that. Me, like, if you kick someone, I just want to see a really good... No, because it'll take away from okay. what right. people will see. I can't tell you that, but I can say is um, I finished filming and I'm. it was the first movie I did after quarantine and lockdown. Ooh. And, um, you know, I've never felt safer on a set. It was so well done and so well handled. And at the same time, you know, the ability to have um, a creative experience while, you know, being on set, it was such a wonderful experience, really. Uh, last question for you. When is the Priyanka Chopra Jonas directorial feature big movie coming? I feel like you, I feel because you said you needed the White Tiger, like you felt like you were you were yearning for it. And yeah, I kind of feel like you're yearning for a big helming of a project. It may be true. Um, to direct, you're saying? Yeah, I mean, my I. I've always wanted to. I just, you know, honestly now, having learned everything that I know about the business on set, I see what a tremendous responsibility it is. Um, Being a director is, you know, the captain of the ship. You stir every department and every department reports to you and your singular vision. And um, filmmaking is definitely a director's medium. And I feel like TV is a writer's medium. So, it's just the responsibility of it that I think I'm scared of more than anything. But I think creatively, I'm definitely ready. I want to do it at some point. I just, I'm at such a nascent place in my acting career as well that I just want to be able to 
do a little work for a few years, establish myself as someone, if if given the opportunity, uh, as someone who's done great work and then pivot into the technical side of it. But it's definitely something I dream about and okay. um, I understand the power and responsibility of it. So you're open to it. That's good. And I'll, and I'll, just, I'll let you, because we were mean to him a few times. You can say something very nice about your husband during this time. You, can, you need to say something nice about him. I say I think, nice I, stuff all the I, time. I, I actually I actually love him very much. I, 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 it's more jealousy more than anything because my my wife <laughs> even I'm jealous. Yeah, because my wife has started to like because I don't know if you ever watched Friends growing up, but there's like a laminated five. Oh yeah, Friends. I didn't say that. Of course. Oh friends. yeah. There's a laminated five of like you know the five celebrities you're allowed to date and the other person getting it mad. <laughs> yeah. And Nick is getting dangerously close to this five. And since <laughs> I've gotten into this business. She's just been like, I, I, so I just, this little bit of a hater in me. I'm just like mad about that part. But I think he's very talented and I think he's very, it, he's great. I just hate that he has, my wife is the most beautiful person in the world. And then he has you too. So it's just like he's getting greedy. It's That's like, what it is. But I'll tell you something which will make you feel worse. Um, it, he just doesn't do anything badly. It's insane. It, it drives me crazy. It's like everything you do is great. He's just, you know, creative. Listen, just, you just, you just, you will win an Oscar first. Like it just has to, you have to win it first. Well, like, he actually does say that. He was like, you, you may be the first Jonas to win an Oscar. You, you will. And I, I like, let him know. From that your mouth to God's ears, my friend. If, if, if he ends up going in the running and you're not, I'm going to actively campaign against him. <laughs> no. I'm going to plant stories everywhere. Oh, I'm no. like, Priyanka goes first. Never mind. Nope. Don't want it. We're on so the same it, team. So yeah. it's fine. As long we're as it comes fine. home, we're yeah. good. Uh, Priyanka, thank you so much for your time. You are amazing. Uh, congratulations on the film and all your success. And uh, we look forward to just seeing all more of you. And seeing you you kick someone in the face in Matrix. (laughs) Thank you so much for taking the time. The White Tiger is now streaming on Netflix. Writer-director Lee Isaac Chung's film Me Not East stars Stephen Yun as Jacob, part of a Korean-American family that moves to Arkansas to start a farm in the 1980s. Me Not East, distributed by A24, has been buzzing with awards attention. Chung recently spoke with Variety Artisans editor Jazz Tanke about his process of making the film, along with his reaction to the rules surrounding the Hollywood Foreign Press Association about films with less than 50% English having to compete in the best foreign language motion picture category, despite its very American themes it explores. They began by addressing that controversy and Chung's immediate thoughts. I remember I just started getting a lot of text messages from friends, and I heard that... uh, you know, th- this story broke and, and uh, we're, we're not going to be in contention for best picture. Um, what I found out is that we had actually submitted to this. And I think um, I, I had heard that in a meeting at some point, but it, it kind of slipped my mind. I, I, I didn't remember that. Um, and A24 had gone through this situation with the Hollywood Foreign Press with The Farewell, and they felt that this film is not going to qualify because they've gone through this before. It's not going to qualify for anything other than best picture foreign language. Um, so they made that submission. And I think the story broke 
And so the actual events of what happened was a little bit more complex than what people might have been understanding. The Hollywood Foreign Press didn't just come out with a decision and a ruling and, and that said, um, you know, we're rejecting you from this. But it was it was more the rules were there. Um, the A24 was simply following the rules. And what came out of that, though, um, was a lot of understandable hurt and um, and frustration on on the part of, of many people in my community um, be- because we're so used to kind of being told we're foreigners in this country. And, um, you know, we, we feel that even a, a lot of us when we're speaking our, our family's languages, you know, in the supermarket or whatever, we, we've heard comments and, and things like that. So it, it brings up a lot of of trauma and or a lot of things that that we've personally dealt with all our lives. Um, what I've been glad about though is that I felt like from the start when we were making this film, we weren't thinking about awards. We weren't thinking about any of that. We just wanted to tell a very human story, um, and and one that also challenges the notions of what does it mean to be a farmer, what does it mean to be a, an immigrant, what does it mean to be Korean, Korean American, and just and just go straight down to what is it to be a human being? Um, and I quite like the fact that this discussion is causing people to rethink categories that are currently existing within our minds. Um, and I would even say that this isn't an issue with just the HFPA, but it's a greater cultural question about um, how we perceive, uh, what we perceive to be American when it comes to actual films. For the most part, uh, HFPA is kind of responding to uh, the fact that most of the films that are made about America and made in America are not in any other language than English. Um, so if we can challenge that notion a little bit with this movie, um, that'd be that'd be great. And, and I hope the conversations are, are fruitful around that. But um, um, yeah, it, it's definitely an issue that I have felt is is bigger than I am, and I haven't known how to actually respond and and do it justice. And um, yeah, I, I hope we all figure something out from this. In, yeah. in other words, and I, I'm I'm humble uh, by it as well. I mean, it's so interesting what you say about the labels. You know, like the labels that we put on people and films in 2021, and at the end of the day all you're doing is you're telling a very personal story and a human story and entertaining us with this great film. Um, I don't know, maybe we're still, we're having this conversation about, you know, what box to put this film in and it shouldn't be like that, you know? That, that's what yeah. I would hope. I always like the idea that um, when we're making, as artists, we're always challenging the boxes mm. and we're always hoping that we're, we're widening the idea of a box. Um, and that um, in some way that, um, you know, if we think about it as inclusion and, and as about inviting people to your table, like the film itself always needs to be as inclusive as possible. You're inviting everybody. You're, you're, you're really open to anybody and you're not putting a label or box on your audience. Um, and that's kind of the hope that, that we had. And I, th- I think the family itself in the film, that's kind of what they're, they're hoping to abide by as well. You started this in 2018. Talk about the getting it from this idea of it being your story to then putting it on paper 
and turning it into a script and ready to share that with the world. Yeah, I I I, I thought there there was a chance in 2018. I thought I might not uh, continue making movies. So that was in the beginning of 2018. Um, I I took on a teaching job in Korea, um, and the contract wasn't set to begin until um, the fall. So I had a few months that I could write a script. And um, I, I thought I'd like to try to make something that maybe I would regret if I didn't make. So for me, that meant to try to be as personal as possible. And, and that's kind of how I ended up writing about uh, my life as a child and um, I don't know. Uh, it it probably helped that my daughter was was uh, around the age that I was remembering back to. So I, I was thinking a lot about her as I was writing, um, and I, I was thinking about my wife as well. So I, I wrote this script, and I knew that I'd be entering the real world of just working and, and being a teacher <laughs> after that, and moved to Korea in um, August. And I put the script aside. And, and finally, in November of 2018, um, I showed it to a friend of mine who worked at CAA, who's an agent. Um, and it was it was a Hail Mary, in a way, to, to show it to her. And she said that she'd like to take it on and that she would, she would help me get it made. So I, I was very surprised about that. Um, and in January of 2019 is when I started to talk to Steven about the film and, and Christina O oh at uh, plan B. And once they were on board, um, we were all looking to try to make the film by uh, the summer of 2019 and uh, a24 came on board in the spring. And um, I mean, it, it was kind of a shock that within a year we were, we were premiering at Sundance basically of, of 2020. So it, it all went really quickly you know, when, when initially I just thought, I don't know if I'll make another film. And, and, uh, <laughs> and somehow we got to that point, which was really crazy. I think I speak for everybody after, you know, on behalf of everybody out there. But, you know, please don't stop making films. <laughs> oh, <laughs> uh, thank you so much for saying that. Um but, in in a way, yeah, even that I, I find very moving to hear anyone say that. But yeah, that, that, that does mean a lot to hear. You, you've given us one of the most beautiful films, not just of the year, but in such a, a long time. But you're telling mm, a story that's that's so personal. Um, you know, you're writing about your father and then you're looking at your family around you. What is the biggest challenge in doing that? Because that's something that you are ready, you know, you are going to share with everybody? Um, I felt a lot of fear in, um, well, well, something that I've, I've struggled with all my life is that I get so obsessed with filmmaking um, and movies in general that I, I worry that I'm elevating it to a level that's unhealthy. And sometimes you can start to think of the career and the work itself as being more important than the people around you. Um, and it's it's funny that that's kind of what the movie's about. And I thought about that in terms of my own parents, like not wanting to uh, make something that might 
upset them, um, talk about things that they don't want to be talked about in, in the public sphere, um, all for the sake of a movie. Uh, you know, that, that sort of thing was very, um, filled me with a lot of fear. And even now, like, I, I kind of like feel so careful about the way that I talk about it. Cause, um, I, I also want to make sure people know that this is not a complete 100% representation of my parents and my, my life and my memories, because, um, uh, you know, I took a lot of creative liberties and this is a work of fiction. You talked about bringing the film to Stephen, but you have assembled the perfect cast. But what was it about Stephen that was so right to play the role of Jacob? For Stephen, um, there were there were many things that I thought about. One was that uh, what what he's doing with his family, it can feel like it is completely irresponsible and that he's taking a gamble and putting them in uh, a very unsafe situation. Um, but I feel like with, with someone like Steven, you can kind of understand why he's doing what he's doing. And you can also understand that he's making these decisions because he also feels that they are right and you sympathize with him. And I think that comes from a very human place in him. He he's very honest with, with who he is as a person. He doesn't put up a front about, about who he is. And I think that you can read that with him. And then secondly, um, he came over to the U S when he was four or five. Um, and he's always kind of wrestled with this idea of living within the gaps. And I, I felt like that's what Jacob is doing in this film. He's trying to forge an identity that is away from the, the old Korean way of doing things and the general American way of doing things. And he just wants to do it his way. He wants to do it Jacob's way. And I, and I felt like Steven kind of understands that. And, and he embodies that as an actor in the, in the courageous choices he makes. Um, and the final thing is, I just think he's an incredible actor. I mean, he's just so good. <laughs> uh, and when I watch him, I think he's electric and um, I, I'm just so drawn to, to watching him as a fan that uh, uh, it was a no brainer for me. And Alan Kim has such a presence on screen. Um, you know, what a performance. How did you discover him? Um, with, with a lot of the other actors, I've just, I just have to thank all the people involved in, in introducing me to these actors and, and helping me to see, you know, who would be perfect for this film. Uh, Julia Kim was our casting director who helped us find both Alan and Noel, uh, the, the two children. And um, she had five weeks to do her her job of finding these these kids, <laughs> and it's it's quite a miracle that that she pulled off uh, what she did. And and she just sent me a bunch of tapes of these recorded auditions. Um, and Alan stood out from the start. Uh, so the second person I would thank with Alan is my wife, because uh, my wife would just tell me, uh, "Let's watch that <laughs> Alan Kim kid again. Let's let's watch him." <laughs> And uh, that was almost a, a litmus test for me. I, I realized, you know, if, if he has this effect just with an audition tape where we just want to watch him, uh, then that's got to be great for a movie. And so, so that was the idea. Uh, and, and Noel was, was so great uh, um, through, through the audition tapes and through the uh, virtual auditions that we had with her. Um, and then uh, with the other cast, uh, Yoon Yo-jung and Han Ye-ri, um, I was introduced to them by a friend of mine named Ina Lee, who's a producer in Korea. 
And of the two, I was familiar with uh, Yoon Yeo-jung's work because she's just uh, a legendary actress. And uh, a lot of us in in America who are of Korean descent, we've we've grown up with her in our households because you know she's just been in so many important dramas and and uh, movies. Um, and Yeti, um, I I started watching her films. It was it was on me that I. I wasn't familiar with her work because once I started to watch her films, I just recognized brilliance immediately. Um, and, and the story, this, this script, uh, it relies so much on her facial expressions and her almost spiritual persona. And um, when I just saw what she could do in movies, I just realized she'd be perfect. And we met together and, um, and I just knew she'd be perfect for this film. I mean, in terms of that sense of family, like you built not just the perfect cast, but like that sense of family just radiated through that performance. Uh, did they spend much time, did they get to spend much time before shooting? Like what was that? Yeah, we, we had about time, a, I guess. Yeah, uh, since, since it was so fast, we, we didn't have um, much time for prep, but we did have kind of a, a week together once Yeti came from Korea. Um, and we spent a lot of time together in this house in Tulsa, um, where the actresses were staying and, uh, talked through the script and, and, uh, reworked some certain scenes in the script and talked about life. And, um, that I must say was really important because, because we also felt like we were dropped in an area where there weren't, weren't many Koreans and it kind of felt like the film itself. Uh, so we, we just spent a lot of time together. Um, and uh, that was really precious. But the casting of the film, I mean, I I just feel like with every piece that was coming in to the film, we could just see Christina Oh, the producer and I, we could just see that this is going to work because of something about each person they they were going to amount to to this greater whole together um and so that was something we we thought quite a lot about as we were um putting putting these pieces in place you talked about you know filming in Tulsa Oklahoma and what I loved about it is that it's a story of an Asian immigrant family in middle America yet what was so beautiful was that you didn't fall into the trap of the, those tropes of like conservative America and racism. Did you ever struggle with, did, was that ever a consideration when you were writing the script to be like, well, maybe if we go this way or was that not even a question for you? Um, it, it, I guess it wasn't a question because I, I felt as though there was a discourse in this country um, that was demonizing people um, in the area where I grew up. Um, and then there was also a lot of that going in the reverse direction where, you know, there's a lot of demonization of people living in the blue states and in the coast. Um, and I, I felt like what I wanted to do was to avoid that discourse and to more dig into commonality and, and what it is that makes us human. Um, because that's that's honestly my experience growing up. I mean, regardless of political viewpoints religious differences. And, um, I, I just felt like I was, I was always able to make very deep connections with people who might seem, uh, like an unlikely match. For instance, like the, the Paul character in the film, um, he's based on a real guy who became best friends with my dad. And, 
you would never expect that friendship to happen. You you would wonder how does this friendship even work? But but the truth is, there's something very human um, that that can connect people. And um, I, I was interested in, in showing those types of relationships more with this film than about the divisions that, that we're we all know far too much about right now. Um, so I was more interested in the opposite. What is it like to be releasing a movie in a pandemic with everybody in lockdown? Talk about that as a filmmaker. I, I just have been surrendering to it, to be honest. I think had I known a year ago that uh, this is the way it would be, I would have been very heartbroken and and quite upset. But, you know, we've after a year of what we've been going through, um, yeah, uh, it is what it is. And I, I'm I'm just glad that it is getting out there and that uh, we're making the best of it. And it seems like uh, I, I've been hearing people connecting with the film, even though they're watching it on their computers and, and things like that. And I, I don't want to be that. I don't want to I don't want to be cantankerous about it and say, oh, it should be watched in a big cinema. <laughs> and, yeah, whatever. Just I hope everyone stays safe. And if they can watch this, that'd be great. That's Lee Isaac Chung, writer and director of Minari, which is scheduled to be released theatrically on February 12th. And that's it for this edition of Variety's Award Circuit Podcast. Drew Griffith edited this episode and Michael Schneider is the producer. Be sure to subscribe to the Award Circuit Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you download podcasts. Also, head to Variety.com and click on the award circuit tab to find the latest Oscar predictions and key races, as well as your daily fix of news, analysis, and reviews. For Jazz Tanke, Janelle Riley, and Michael Schneider, I'm Clayton Davis. We'll see you on the circuit.